You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sakowitz, the Rector of Holyam Cathedral, and co-host Mark Teresi, Executive Director. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning. Good. It's cold out there. It's a fall day. Last yeah. week, last Saturday, we had a beautiful summer day. They say stick around Chicago, mm-hmm. you'll experience all four seasons. In one day. Yeah. yeah. Remember last Friday was terrible rain. Saturday was sunny. Oh, it was beautiful. Gorgeous summer day last Saturday. Sunday was so-so. Mm-hmm. Easter was a beautiful day. And My, I tell last you, the Saturday. crowds were tremendous, not only, only at the cathedral, but throughout the entire archdiocese. People came out, and folks, parishes are open. For those that truly feel you need to be careful because of COVID, we totally understand. But for those that are on the, on the fence, including the cathedral, come back home. And maybe a bit of a... Cl- Clarification, if people still need to be home and watch the Cardinals Mass uh, and ABC at 9, 9.30, those pictures of empty pews are not accurate. I mean, Holy Name Cathedral is open. So if you're well enough and Cathedral is on your list of where you would like to attend Mass, please come. Please yet, Mark, come. we both know COVID-19 is not over no. because these variants keep popping up. But thank God, those that get covid Many, many fewer are dying, but nobody wants COVID even a little bit, no. even to be asymptomatic. But uh, great program lined up. You can also get us on YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago here on WNDZ 750 AM. Again, 312-255-8408. Can, can I add one, sure. one other thing before we begin our program uh, and welcome our guest? Um, one of the things that Holy Name, that which we discovered uh is that the 50 days of Easter, the 50 days after Easter, aren't necessarily celebrated uh, by the church. We're mm-hmm. trying to do that with special programs. Uh, we're looking at Pentecost as kind of a welcome back for our, our parishioners. Um, you know, it's our birthday of the church, and Correct. it's a it's a day to celebrate. So um, I'd encourage everybody. And we also sent the White Book, which if I can, that show, I can show this on For YouTube. For those that are watching on YouTube. It, it, um, it's um, Diocese of Saginaw, Michigan. And it has a, a daily reflection, which I'm using, many, many of our prisoners are using, just to keep the Easter spirit alive in See, our what hearts. what people forget is uh, when you have Ash Wednesday, the whole Lenten journey, people understand that. It moves into Holy Week, the Triduum culminating with Easter morn. But then, as you mentioned, Easter season Easter season does not end Easter Sunday morning. 
You go 50 full days, which is right now through Pentecost. So, you know, thanks for raising mm-hmm. that, Mark. Wonderful program line, lined up. Sister Joe McGlinchey, Vicar for Religious, talks about how retired religious benefit from the generosity of contributions of the, to the retired Religious Retirement Fund. Sister Joan, welcome to the program this morning. How are you, Joan? Welcome. Thank you. I'm fine. How are you? You've Good. got a beautiful you know, none, smile. None, none worse for the wear, you know. <laughs> worse for the, now, working from home. Sister Joan, I have to ask this question. You have been involved with the Archdiocese of Chicago for how many years now? Almost 30. Wow. Almost 30. Wow. Almost 30. Yeah. And when it's evolved. Were, I mean, certainly, it's not the position I was hired from. When you started 30 years ago, what was your position? It was co it was co vicar and that disappeared after a year. Oh, co vicar for religious. Okay, and then with that the evolved into office what? Was opened, you know. Pardon. Then after that position, after one year, it evolved into what? Into being uh, having being vicar, vicar period. You know, oh. the title was there, and that stayed with Cardinal Bernadine. Now, are you originally from Chicago? No, I'm not. I'm from New York City. New York. Uh, forgive me, but anyway. Oh, are you kidding? So you a New York girl growing up? A New York girl who left New York in 1975 and never looked back. I I went um, to Rome and came here directly from Rome to the yeah. another province. I changed provinces three times now, since New York. So, so since New York, you've changed provinces three times. It's amazing. What was in Rome? Were you doing I studies? went to the Gregorian University to study to prepare for work and formation. Oh, beautiful! So I stayed in. I stayed, studied three years, and then took other courses part time. But then I stayed another five years. So I lived in Rome for eight years. Did you have a favorite uh, spot in Rome that a go to for you? Uh, you know the um, with the companions who came from all over the world. You know that the universe we met at the university. That was one place, mm-hmm. and then certainly I got to know. Some nice places, but I, you know, I lived in my community, and we we changed. We closed our mother house the year that I, the second year I was there, and oh. sold it. So we were kind of, you know, I, as students, a little bit awkward. But uh, no, I, I loved a lot about Rome. I, I loved learning about religious life in Rome mm. by knowing many different communities of men and women through my work. Now, Sister so Joan, I was working with the. In all the years we've known yes. you, I've never asked this question. How did your vocation begin? Was it grammar school? Was it high school? Was it through mom and dad? Was it through a particular sister? I would say I was exposed to religious from very early on in New York, you know, in my parish, the Guardian Angel, which was on the lower west side, you know, the west side below Hell's Kitchen and the, you know, very close to the the river. So we had a uh, Dominican sisters there who really were very influential. And I had a sister all the way through grade school, but at high mother Cabrini high school in the Heights, I went to school, uh, high school in Washington Heights and met our sisters, met a missionary community with women who were very diverse and uh, welcoming people. People in my class were from all over the world as well as all over the city. So it wasn't just a very, it was kind of broke it open for me. Now I thought of it, you know, toward the end of high school, it wasn't, you know, they were just to see the example of the sisters, the way they invested in us. And I had an experience of being a catechist in the Bronx in a very poor parish when we were a senior. There were about 12 of us who went out uh, for one afternoon and taught catechism. And so I kind of, you know, I say it, I, I understood some a little something then about the mission of the church. And, you know, it was attractive to me. And, you know, 
little did I know what I was entering into. I was glad to be somewhat ignorant. So I entered right out of after high school. And that was, and, and uh, you entered you know, what community in terms of what were Missionary you, Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. But the, you were where? Founded by in, Mother Cabrini. Were you in New York or were you sent somewhere else? Where was the, uh, I was the location? In, well, I was in New York for about a week after I entered, and then I was sent to Philadelphia to to teach fourth grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is wow. the old system. <laughs> With a master teacher guiding me, but basically it was quite an experience. I didn't think I was going anywhere. I thought I was entering the convent and going to be formed as a sister. So right out later, of high school, they put you into a fourth grade classroom. Right, and that That's was the amazing. Philadelphia system. There was a whole bunch of young religious who did that across the board, with master teachers. The you know other orders did it. We were in, a, and I was in an Italian national parish, which I didn't know what it meant. I thought That's the church funny. was more a little bit more universal than being national. So you know, <laughs> now here's now Sister Joan and Mark. Here's a great story. I was taught by the Sisters of Mercy, wonderful community mm-hmm. at Mary City of Wisdom in Park Ridge. So I had Sister Mary Joella in first grade as my sister. So I'm seven years old in first grade, and she was the first grade classroom teacher, 54 students by herself. And many years later, I meet her, and I said, so Sister Mary Joella, so good to see you. You're so young. Mm -hmm. And this is when years later, she said, Greg, Mm -hmm. do you realize when I taught first grade, you were seven years old in first grade and your classmates I was 20 years old. And she's, I thought, yeah. and I thought to myself, when I was in seven years old, I thought you were about 90 mm. because you're a nun in a habit. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. I said 20. So today I would be 69, and she's what, a little bit older than that. So amazing. Mm-hmm. We had, I had this concept of all these sisters being 100 years old, 90 years old. She was 20 years old. She was, you were my mm-hmm. first class, thrown into the classroom, loved it. But I thought to myself, wow. Well, and it's funny because at a recent event, a retired archbishop and I were chatting, and he was assigned to Quigley uh, as a teacher Mm -hmm. to teach Spanish and to teach music. Mm -hmm. And he said to whoever the cardinal was then, you know, I don't know Spanish. This was in May. I don't know Spanish, and I really don't know how to teach music. He said, well... You got the summer to learn Spanish and play records. <laughs> now, he became the consummate Spanish teacher, was in a mm-hmm. Spanish parish, uh, was a Hispanic parish, uh, consummate musician. You know, he learned, I mean, the, the fervor of teachers during your era, his era, was amazing because we, we benefited as students. Now, we go to the other end of the spectrum Maybe for a moment before we go to break, uh, Sister Joan, tell us about mm-hmm. the history of the Religious Retirement Fund. When did it begin, and what's its value and purpose? Okay, uh, so you're going to a break now? or No, no, we're first going to do oh, a little no. history. No, the history of the, the fund, it, the, the fund has been around for 33 years, and anything that's around that long has to reinvent itself. And it's national, run out of Washington, sponsored by the American, uh, the, the bishops of the United States, and it's been a real help to uh, a real safeguard for for many uh, many communities of men and women who have served the church faithfully. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to share the report that uh, Cardinal Supich gets annually from the collection. So I have you know, and you see the benefit that comes back to our local retired priests and sister brothers and sisters 
who are here in Chicago or have worked in our schools in Chicago for many years. So I have, it's really uh, amazing for the, the direct assistance to the, uh, to the different communities that qualify. There are a very list of, you know, stringent qualifications. So many communities who had, who were in healthcare, for example, and got decent salaries, they, we decided not to qualify as a community because not that we wouldn't need money, but the fact that it wasn't fair to the other, because we did have a resource that we were able to start a retirement fund because our four mothers had some insight mm -hmm. and we, you know, but the, the issue of, of knowing uh, how much it's needed even today, how much for direct assistance to the care of their elder members of priests living in Chicago now retired uh, is, is amazing. And it's a very needed assistance. Well, see what amazes me is people, are very generous to this collection because yes, it connects yes. their own history with like my own childhood, the Sisters of Mercy. Mm -hmm. And people forget is they were once young sisters, many of them are in their 70s, 80s, 90s, 100 today, and they need that financial mm -hmm. assistance in these uh, retirement centers. And I would say, Sister Joan, you should solicit Father Greg, for all he put those nuns through, he should be contributing a, a very Definitely. significant they should, get, gift. they should get an extra, an extra amount. I was, Mark, I was on a first-name basis with the principal. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, take us to break. Yeah, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back in a few minutes to talk to Sister Joan McGlinchey, Vicar for Religious, about the Religious Retirement Fund, the good work they do, and how we can be supportive. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. tranquil grounds of the University of St. Mary the Lake where you can pray, reflect, and learn from the rich treasures of the Bible. An invitation for all to experience the annual Summer Scripture Conference, June 19th to 24th, might just be for you. Notable scripture scholars from across the United States will present this year's program, focusing on interpreting scripture in the church. The five presenters will share on a variety of topics, including interpreting scripture and the Vatican II documents, different Christian denominations and how they differ in perspectives on scripture, the Bible and politics in America today, what scripture says about children, how to use scripture in prayer, and interpreting scripture for the life and mission of the church. For registration and conference package information, visit our website at www.usml.edu slash summerscripture or call 847-837-4575. This year's conference will be both in-person and virtual. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. 
we've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. We're back, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. No, uh, no tie today, Mark? No. Kind of going kind of casual? I'm, it's very casual, but the red brings out the rosiness in my cheeks. Your forehead, your head. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I, and such a serious topic. And here, let's segue right into it. <laughs> Sister Joan McGlinsey Vicker for Religious is discussing with us the Religious Retirement Fund. Sister Joan, what's the money used for? Give us some examples of how, how in Chicago. Yeah, I, I think I do want to give examples because I mentioned that the the the, uh, the uh, collection has reinvented itself mm-hmm. in some ways. The uh, direct assistance is still very strong. And so a number of, you know, uh, there is an amount of money, you know, almost approximately 25 million of the collection nationally goes to direct assistance, but they've invented in the last 10 years, there's especially the last five years, new forms of helping communities with financial planning and reaching out to communities that have really unmet needs that weren't identified yet. Mm -hmm. I'll give an example of a community, a missionary community uh, from Mexico who have, and they're in, it's in their literature, so I'm, I'm not, you know, breaking confidentiality mm-hmm. here. The missionary Guadalupanas of the Holy Spirit, who have been in the United States over 30 years, have lived the immigrant experience, established themselves as a province, and now in the Los Angeles diocese have a home that's inter for their sisters, have been able to have some resources, some help in building a uh, re- adapting their provincial headquarters to have a home for their retired sisters who really are have been in America for over 30 years or for most of their religious lives and staying here and living with their younger sisters who are in ministry. That's one example. Another example is another community in the California area um, that is new and has young sisters, hardly has maybe one person under 60. No, one person over 60, I should say. And they are uh, being helped now to learn how to do financial planning. They're a missionary community. They are only a small number of members. 
and they are young to avoid the the past repeating itself mm -hmm. to teach to teach the different techniques of financial planning even to have some sisters who made themselves from leadership who have been from more established communities over the years even in one of the ex-presidents of lcwr has been to a local small community tiny little group in illinois not not in the diocese anymore but they were here they um they they have been their leadership is across the ocean and they have no plan for retirement and they have they don't know what to do with their asset you know assets as they're not able to um to really handle some of their 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 business decisions they are getting some direct help so again the idea that there are unmet needs and it would be surprising to many of us to know that there are still communities that have not acknowledged their their radical need their their present need and so even that work that's done now the other educational things that are done through the um, national office through sister stephanie and her staff are the um the education about retirement needs the uh, the um the information to the communities the formation for retirement the spiritual resources that are online the workshops the education of even the members of the of communities who are retired. So it's been a there has been a, the money is very well spent and it's very much controlled. There are you know there's input from the bishops conference and the three con the conferences of men religious the, the and the two conferences of women religious. They decide where the grant money goes each year, and they give a report to the bishops. So it's it's a very it's organized and it's been really faithful to the evolving situation of communities. And I think we still it is still needed, even though it seems how could something you know last this long, last this long because of need and because it's been able to have good leadership. Oh yeah, and the numbers are growing. Uh, I my wife's mom was at Resurrection Life mm -hmm. Center for almost yeah. seven and a half Thank years, God. and there are many yeah. religious orders. I, I, I guess mm -hmm. the Resurrection Sisters. Uh, created a, a program where they could come. Some of their sisters are ministering to the sisters who are sick. What about mm -hmm. health care mm -hmm. in terms of, of this collection? Is it, That's got to be a high, high priority and a high expense uh, situation for orders, too. Yeah, it is a high expense, and you know you don't. Uh, everything does not come through Medicare or right. even Medicaid. You're right. So there is the need for some subsidy, definitely, for some of these bills that are as people, you know, are living in. We are living longer into our late 90s and our hundreds, and there are more. There, there, there. You know, there's a there's a certain level of care that that increases, and sometimes the, um, you know, the Resurrection Life Center has been a real benefit for us. In, and I think for the people of God, but also what sisters are doing, especially women religious are doing now, are selling their assets, mm -hmm. selling their mother house, their provincial house. It's happening here in Chicago in order to have the resources to dedicate to care for their elder members. Right. So that, again, it does, all the money cannot come from just one source. Exactly. Now, Sister Joan, maybe it, a, it shows. a question I would have historically, Sorry. what happened 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago all these sisters are in the classroom, hospitals, administration, whatever they're doing, and were they told, don't worry about retirement, or I, I'm missing something here because it's hard to believe that going back 60, 70 years ago, there was not that forethinking in terms of um, planning ahead for retirement. 
And well, and our teachers did not get salaries. They, they, and also, competitive. The, the sisters in the classroom were making like a dollar a month. They had really basically no, or $30 a month, no salary at all. So mm-hmm. what happened, just very briefly, that it got us into this situation? Well, I think part of it was the idea that we were, we were, we were, uh, we donated our, our, our services mm-hmm. in many cases, and we served where there was a great need in parishes. And while the, the, the parish provided housing back in the day, the con- big convents, mm-hmm. you know, that are still around and, the, and, and not Correct. usable today, but they, uh, so there were a number, it was, we were, uh, when I was in Philadelphia as a young professed, after I had been in, in a New York school, I had, you know, there were 15 of us. And they were double mm-hmm. uh, double grades. We had a principal, and by then people were more, you know, getting a little bit more educated. The principal definitely had her masters, but the rest of us were still going to college. Mm-hmm. We went, we went on a part, you know, for our first. We went, we kept kept at it, but it was we were not in any just for our leaving expenses were on the community. It was not on, you know, necessarily on the pastor. Mm-hmm. We had, we had, we I even lived, we even lived in our own building where we had a ministry for children at risk. So we lived, we didn't, the parish didn't even give us a convent. We are in, in two places, in, the, in New York State, the same thing. We were 12 miles away from the school, so we we didn't even have a car. So we had, the first car we got was, uh, the doors didn't stay closed. <laughs> they didn't stay, you know, they we had to hold on to the, the door. So to, to what's, use what's the, the problem? The yeah, there, and there wasn't was like a 4-OK. It kind of a sense you believe in what you were doing. Yeah. No, we believed that education was important. We were missioned. To a school, we we got to a parish with their parish with or IBM people and farm workers, which was one parish I was in, and the other were, you know, half Italian immigrants and other people who were there, you know, part, you know, trying to adjust to urban life. It's um, it was it was a challenging time though, and I don't think we thought when we were young that we wouldn't always have also a number of younger people coming in mm-hmm. who would be able to be wage earners when the whole system changed and you, you know, you got your college degree and you went, <laughs> you were hired and all of that. When the system changed very radically, uh, you know, in the late sixties and a lot of people were, did not stay in religious life then. Right. Exactly. Everybody in, you know, I have had nobody to celebrate any of my jubilees with. Wow. They've all wow. left, you know, so it was like, you know, it, um, it's kind of a reality in phenomenon, and they were Jonah, also, how many in your we class, had many vocations. How many, sorry, your, how many in your class profess final vows? How, was, in my many, class? Yeah, how many did you have originally? Originally, we had eight, and uh, final professing final vows, we had five. And now it's, and, it's and you. Then, yeah, and the last person I was, you know, when I was here in leadership, was left from Chicago, you know, here. But no, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was now with classes varied between. We were never big numbers. We had 12, 15, and we had half that number went back and forth. But we need to bring the segment to a close, but uh, maybe for a moment, Sister Joan, if somebody would like to make a, a contribution to the Religious Retirement Fund, give us a website people can go to. Okay. Um, the website, let's see, of the. Or is there maybe a phone number? I didn't think of this question appearing right now. I'm sorry. Well, I don't. Well, maybe, uh, you maybe. Know, I think you what can about send your it office? to the Archdiocese, the Office for Religious and the Archdiocese, and we can make sure it gets to, we send a, an, our annual contribution to uh, to Washington. So so it, so and if they, if they mail it in 835 North Rush Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60611. And going to archchicago.org and looking under 
religious? Well, just if they're Office for religious. Office right. for religious. Okay, that'd be it. So I want to thank in a very special way Sister Joan McGlinchey, the vicar for religious for the Archdiocese. Joan, it's a delight to always have you on the program. You're always thank welcome you. back to You're the welcome. program because I think you may hold the record most appearances on <laughs> Catholic Chicago. No, so, actually, I've always delegated to people. They, I, I, because the director of the retirement collection can't be here. They, they, oh, they, they delegate. I, I'm the only one who do. I haven't done it in years. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, great to see you again. You look I, terrific. You caught me, you know, toward the end here. God bless thank you very you. much. And thank so, you very much. Thank you. God bless you, Sister thank Joan. You. You're listening to uh, Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 312-255-8408. You can also get us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sakowitz, Mark Treacy. We'll be back after these messages. And again, do not touch that dial. <laughs>